welcome to Stop Back and Roll, a podcast about how playtesting is easy if you just don't do it. I'm Brandon. And I'm James. And today we'll be talking about our experiences at Metatopia and the things we learned and the things we saw. We are back from Metatopia. It was we are. Uh, low stress. Uh, didn't mm-hmm. have to think about anything. Didn't have to think about game design. Uh, yeah. Pretty much just hung out. Me, me too. It was the end of that episode. All right. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Meta. I will say, um, maybe my favorite Metatopia for a couple years now. Oh, nice. I've had, I was, I was telling somebody, um, I don't know if it's a mixture of like, uh, I'm getting better at picking games, mm-hmm. um, or people like, or, or that the double exposure crew are getting better at, um, getting people to define their games well, but like, I didn't pick any duds this year. Hey, that's great. Really weird. So yeah. Yeah. I feel like I, I, I got some interesting stuff in all of the games that I was in as well. And I had fun in all of the games I was in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Really quickly, for anyone who has no idea what we're talking about, if this um, is your first Metatopia, episode, if this is your first episode, uh, Metatopia is a gaming convention put on by Double Exposure, uh, and it is primarily an industry-focused uh, convention where people, like, I think by definition, none of the games can be published. Yeah, uh, it's all games that are in the pro somewhere between. Uh, focus group like just had an idea for a game through to a late beta where you're like getting your game ready maybe you've already kickstarted it and are play testing mm-hmm. some some last minute things yeah i've seen everything in between i've seen occasionally some things that it's like a supplement being tested or something like that yeah but like yeah the idea is that this is you're play testing you're not playing right yeah and so it's very so and so like it's very it's interestingly it's a very cheap convention to go to if you are a playtester it's a very exp- not a very not very expensive but a pricier convention to go as a game designer because they are providing you a lot of support yeah and really like hand tailoring an experience for you to playtest and because they and then obviously it's cheap for the playtesters because they want more, more people play to testers. come and playtest yeah they need you know what four playtesters. For each game ish yeah or more if you're doing larp some of the larps are larger oh yeah that's true i did a larp last year um so it's interesting and and we've gone every year since i think 2016 oh my god Remember has it been that many times or we started it's it's one more year than we've been doing this podcast it says because m- the first year was the year we announced we were going to do it and it's as many years as party of one exists because party of one yep, released released true. like that week Although I still refuse to believe that he hadn't been doing that podcast for three years before we met him, because that was how I understood it to be the day we met Jeff, and I it's still how I believe. I choose to believe. I might be, like, blowing up his spot, but I vaguely remember him telling me that he even, like, backdated one of the episodes. Potentially. That, like, he released both of them, like, almost immediately before. But, but this, this is not blowing up Jeff's spot hour. No. We love Jeff. No. Please so, go listen to Party of One. <laughs> uh, so, this this episode, post Minotopia has, if you are, again, this is the first episode you've been listening to, um, is typically our, like, kind of check-in with the industry, look, talk about the things that we, we saw, mm-hmm. talk about the things people were doing, and talk about whatever games we were playtesting, which, in this case, was just me. 
Uh, yeah. And I usually will talk about like a smattering of the games we tried out as well. Um, mm-hmm. I have three games, so I can talk about all of them if we want to, depending upon how yeah, much time I have we have. A couple. I have a couple I want to talk about. I want, I want to talk about a focus group I did that was phenomenal. And uh, I want to talk about my game a little bit. Well, you also played two of the games that I played. Yeah. Did I? Yeah. Oh, that's right. I did. I forgot. We played one of them together and then one individually. Exactly. All right. So where do we want to start out? Um, why don't we start out with the badge? Because I think it represents a trend in games that I want to talk about that I like. Cool. And let's just start out by saying like the way that I signed up for games is I was looking specifically for PBTA games because I wanted to be able to go into things where I could bring some expertise. And that mm-hmm. is quite obviously my jam. I did not do that. Uh, <laughs> well, so I, I looked for any other two player games, particularly two player romance games. Cool. They are generally not actually the kinds of games that I play myself <laughs> usually, but I was interested in that. I actually found a game that was a two player game um, about pe- two people who are entwined in in like like fate is bringing them together yeah. and they are aging in different directions and so i was like well two player game about two people who are uh, sort of maybe romantically connected and age differently that's exactly my brand and it was called ants marching no 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 the contrary arrow of time okay it's actually a very good title that is that also is definitely a dave matthews band song yeah no the the dave matthews um, band joke will never get old for me and i'm very sorry for that <laughs> when you receive like uh when you receive like an award for for this game i'll be up there going like ah like dave matthews i will i will not receive an award for this james game, but... when a reward when an award for this game crashes into you i'll be there all right let's okay. move along and get back to the badge yeah so the badge um, is a pbta police procedural it is by Camden Wright and Kate Bullock. Uh, I believe that they're working really closely on this one together, which should be really great because, frankly, they're both awesome. They're two of my favorite people. Yeah. Uh, Camden has a wonderful mind for story games and specifically story games that are really deeply intense. And in addition to those same strengths with Kate, because she's also phenomenally tied in with emotional gameplay... Uh, she's got a just an amazingly slick PBTA mind, so I'm I'm really looking forward to what this will be looking like. Yeah, I went. In, I picked this game because obviously I like Camden. Um, I have not actually played a game by Camden before. Um, I've read them, but and... I have been too scared to play them. <laughs> <laughs> and I liked the idea of. So it's pitched. The pitch was: it's a PBTA game, police procedural that focuses on storyline that focuses on human stories of people in crisis, consequences and choices you make, and the relationship you build doing the work. And so, what I was looking for, what what excited me about that was, I like the idea of people who sort of bond through hardship mm-hmm. and 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 build those strong relationships. Yeah, and as someone who has done work that is not police work, but is like emotionally intense and dangerous work like that is a an extremely real thing and i thought it was really interesting seeing how this felt um yeah i think i think you and i shared some of a concern that um it would be very easy for a game about 
police officers in kind of our modern political climate mm-hmm. to swing really hard towards the like hating on cops side of of things or apologizing for some of the violent things that they do. Yeah. And and I at least I think this did a pretty good job of uh hitting that middle line. I absolutely agree. I think that it it create like so what we tested was character creation and yeah. going through and building a city and building your police force, building your characters and it really made characters that were nuanced and flawed but not nuanced and flawed like this is the this is the villain and nothing they do matters so much as people yeah. that like really want to make things better and are struggling with demons and struggling with problems uh like this is this is going to sound potentially ridiculous uh there were multiple people like getting a little tearful during mm-hmm. the character creation that we oh, did yeah. oh my gosh it was so intense at the end it was so good so you- so I guess the thing I, the thing that I want to talk about because I think this is really interesting yeah. is um because essentially what we did was a session 0 um and 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 most session 0 or most most games in general kind of have like a character creation and and something like masks where yeah. it has like a how did the team come together and it's this kind of light like how did but this was like this was a very serious full session zero thing like the very first thing you do you don't make characters first you build the city first yeah and you talk about what are what are the things that the city is known for what are the things the city is struggling with um we talked in our play test about how i actually wanted to go further like i wanted to name sections of the city uh, <laughs> kind of like the way that we did when we when we built protean city for the for our podcast but like really like i wanted to know more about this city and I thought that was a very interesting starting point. Hilariously, after we did all of the character creation, Camden asked us if we would have wanted to like have a map and like set stuff up like that. Mm-hmm. And I was the dissenting voice at our table saying that no, I didn't want that. I don't want a <laughs> you map. Would, you and I, I wanted, disagreed I didn't, I didn't, with each other over like twenty four hours apart from each other in different rooms. <laughs> I didn't. I, so I don't think I wanted a map. Okay, but I wanted mo- a little bit more of like because some of the things you like neighborhood lay out are like. Uh, yeah, I wanted neighborhoods. Okay, because some and we talked about a little bit about how like some of the things you lay out in character cre- in in city creation are like what are the things that the what is plaguing the city and yeah. what are the different like so uh, we built a city that was a an old industrial city that was being taken over by hipster technologists. Okay, so there was like there were old steel mills and families who like my my character's family was an old steel worker mm-hmm. um a steel working family and then there was like and the, in in a waning era of that industrial uh um industry it was being taken over by the legal marijuana industry and kind of like uh tech uh hipsters really and the tension between that and gentrification was a central part of our our story and so i want what i wanted to do is like dive more into what are the neighborhoods where that's the worst what is the right. where are the neighborhoods where people are finding a way to make it work um and and that sort of thing so we can kind of like call them out by name i can totally see that yeah for me i feel like i didn't need that level of detail beyond it um because i felt like we got a really idea of like really good idea of our city which was um Ours was also pretty industrial. It was like kind of a booming uh, metropolis. It's like got a whole lot of industry going on and also has like a military base. Mm, and so yeah, we, that was interesting. Yeah. So we had kind of like 
a lot of tension between the military and the police. Uh, and we were in Texas. Hmm. Yeah. We were in Canada, I think. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was very weird. Um, and so then, so once you do that, then you go create characters. Mm-hmm. And you answer questions about, like, why are you on the force? Who is hurt by the fact that, you, that you've chosen to become a cop? If you mess up, who gets hurt? Um, was one of my questions. Yeah. It sets the stakes um, like, extremely well. Yeah. So, like, my character was the rookie. And I was from an old, like I said, an old steelworking family who had sort of lost everything when the uh, the steel industry decided to start to die. Um, and had taken out massive amounts of loans with the Russian mafia. Oh. And so the reason I became a cop was to take down the whole Russian mob, <laughs> which was like extremely naive and extremely like, I like James, I, the player knew there was no way this was going to happen. And so all of my stakes were like, if I fuck up, like that's it. Like the, the mob is watching me and everything I do. And they're looking for me to be, to make a mistake to try to like, get leverage over me to turn me to flip me dirty and that's um, so so funny and so that that was my character that's great um i think i think with the game i I don't want us to get too like bogged down into like how the actual play went but what what really was to me the coolest thing were the last moments of yes. the play oh, yeah. test. Do you think we can talk about that? Or do you think it's like, it's um, not a spoiler, is it? No, I don't think so. Okay. So, so uh, before, we, before we quite hit that, though, mm-hmm. I do want to say I really like the order of make a city, yeah. then make someone who lives in the city, mm-hmm. and then the last thing you do is build the the squad. Agreed. As, a, as sort of, not quite as a playbook, but like as a framework. Yeah, I like that so a lot. then you answered some questions about the about the uh the squad yeah uh the squad setup was was uh for me like the the exact roles was a little was maybe a little clunky yeah but it like that is such a minor that's a minor nothing that is a thing mm-hmm. that was put together at the last second um and that's like it doesn't affect any of the rest of it being just brilliant yeah like if, if the rest of it hadn't been so brilliant i wouldn't have maybe even noticed that that didn't yeah. hit so hard for me yeah um but what like what i want to talk about and what hit me so well was that at the end of it, it was essentially had a uh, why do you care about the team sort of moment. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, two questions. Why won't you leave the squad and tell a story about the moment that you realized you would take a bullet for the person to the right of you? Yeah. And I don't know about your table, but we got like, I got like really intense because all of us had talked about our characters like, secrets and foibles and yeah and everything and all of us were like tying it together so the thing that i just the thing that i really liked about it was so you had we had a couple relationship questions yeah um and in the sort of traditional pbta style way you would say like here's my question and i think it fits with this person mm-hmm. let's make a connection see if that works but also like uh well like initially i, th- I thought it was gonna be this person but then like two other people made made connections to them so i was like well i should make it this other person so that we can all be kind of connected together yeah but that la the fact that that so you those are like your choice questions yeah and then the the fact that that last question was just the person the person who is physically to your right yeah just by happenstance of where you sat which for me was like it didn't make any sense at all 
because like the person who I was sitting, who was to my right was a person who I like my a character that my character feuded with yeah a little bit and so to like really like then to go say underneath all of that here is a person that I would take a bullet for yeah and to find like and to like sit and think and find that story yeah was very powerful it was definitely very moving we we were just like all just nodding along like listening to the stories and just nodding along like like yeah you're absolutely right I would too because like you also know. Everyone in the squad knows all of these stories in all likelihood. Yeah. yeah. Here's yeah, some yeah. appropriate that- police sirens just for the background of this. You cannot cut this, James. This has okay. got to stay in. Yep. Uh, so I'm going to keep talking. But I think that's the power. I yeah, think that's, that's, that's kind of what I meant. Like, that is the power so of those, like, over, like, the, the, the very structured um, team framing thing. Yeah. Uh, like, like, so, like, um, supplemental playbook things like uh anything where you've got a a neighborhood playbook or a team playbook or in this case two yeah um i really like those as tech for pbta games i like it to help the group cohesion yeah absolutely agreed uh blades in the dark kind of cemented that into everybody's mind but that is that's a that is a cool tech that's uh been around some since goblin quest maybe i think maybe i'm not sure i don't know it's been around who knows? Yeah. Um, hey, speaking of structure, ah, look at this segue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to talk about the one that you were not in. Okay. Uh, so I played Follow Me Down by Joy Martin. So in this game, it's a two-player game that you are playing out the story of Orpheus and Eurydice. And that's the story where uh, the the lover gets uh, dies and uh, someone goes in to save them from Hades and at the last uh, minute yeah, turns yeah. around and uh, spoiler alert for a... Uh, over 2,000-year-old myth, uh, <laughs> she uh, disappears back into Hades. And so in this, you can play it as like a different, in a different kind of theming, but it, it really honestly seems set up to be playing exactly that story. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a two-player game. It's set up with like a chapter structure. So huh. like this is this was the thing that blew my mind because this was there were things about this that worked really well for me and things about it that didn't. Uh mm-hmm. it was it's PBTA but it doesn't really have moves which yeah. like I I think that that maybe that is like PBTA by convenience which is not a bad thing just it didn't use that structure in quite the same way, right? Uh but what was very cool was that you would open up a chapter and be GMing for each other. And so like in the first, uh, in the first, in chapter one, uh, Orpheus is the PC and Eurydice's player is running it. And so we played like a eighties hair metal. We played basically meatloaf wrote Orpheus and Eurydice. Uh, and it, it worked great. It was a lot of fun, but what was very cool is that you would open up each chapter and it would have, like some information about what's going to happen about like what happens in like a vague sense, a question that you're supposed to answer and then information about that part of the myth. And so it gives you like some monsters and some ideas to go off of. And so it's almost like a uh, manual, right? Or not a manual, a um, module. Yeah. It's almost like a module, but you it's in just like general narrative information instead of being like stats. And so we were able to like really take that and play with it in our hair metal version and like take things in a different <laughs> direction. And it was, it was a lot of fun. 
Interesting. Yeah. And it, it has like a whole mechanic at the end that you figure out whether you look back and stuff like that. But we didn't get hugely into that. Um, but I think it, it seems like it'll be very cool. Uh, there, were, I felt a little bit like I didn't have like, like I couldn't bring like strong PBTA knowledge to it just yeah, because it, it was a little bit off. Yeah. But like it, it was just, it was, it was very much like a fun, interesting, romantic story game that you could a hundred percent pick up and play. Uh, yeah. which was a very nice thing. It was it was neat and light and just uh I really like modules. I'm into modules. Yeah. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. Uh it was dope. I had a lot of fun. And I got to be like a, you know, 80s metal guy. <laughs> yeah. That sounds really interesting. I, I rocked out on a two-neck guitar in hell. It was great. <laughs> of course, like you do. Like yeah. You do. Well, that's technically from the original story. Oh, so, okay. like, yeah, 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 yeah. As the ancient Greeks are, they yeah, loved their classically do. Yeah, yeah. Double neck guitars, huge yeah. in ancient Greece. Yeah. Do you want to talk about uh, an angelic bureaucracy? I would love to. Uh, an angelic bureaucracy is by Noel Warford. Uh, it is really cool. It is uh, PBTA. You ain't doing oh man, this is this is a tough one to describe. Yeah, yeah, because like I know that the description of it hit it, but I don't have the description mm-hmm. in front of me. It's, well I do, so I, oh, can, okay. I can read it if you want. Yeah. So an angelic bureaucracy um presented by Noel Warford is uh death, time, war, and the rest of the like heads of <laughs> I guess these um departments i think they were mm-hmm. have disappeared leaving holes in reality that is your responsibility to fill um it's a pbta game where mo- where those mortals have to solve problems in an afterlife bureaucracy and an earth that is stranger than they realized so you kind of play it so it's it's inspired by um garth nix's the keys uh to the keys to the kingdom and Pratchett and uh, Guyman's Good Omens. Mm-hmm. So it's very like, and then and, and just sort of Terry Pratchett in general. Um, so you're playing people who have taken over um, these departments of the afterlife. Um, so our group was love and progress and death and the media. And let me say, just like a phenomenal table too. Like we got very lucky. Yeah. It was the two of us, uh, Brendan Conway and Rach Schelke uh, from Plus One Forward. Uh, just so much fun. Uh, I was definitely the least knowledgeable PBTA person at the table. I think I was the least knowledgeable genre convention person at the table because I don't I been know too. Garth, whatever it is. I've never read any Pratchett other than Good Omens. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, but uh, it, but it felt like Good Omens, right? Like that. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it was a lot of it was like politicking in awkward situations where like you kind of know that everything's a little funky and weird. Um, yeah, and the it, there's so much. Oh, the God, there's so much to dig into in this because this was a really good playtest. I think. Yeah, it was. So I this actually like it speaks to a theme almost mm-hmm. of of playtests that I had this whole game or this whole um, this whole convention, which was uh, to borrow Kevin Petker's thing mm. about finding the secret heart of your game, yeah, and then pushing towards it. Because a lot of the games that I played were, they had like very strong secret hearts yeah. of like the the, play, the the GM or not the GM the uh, the game writer uh, 
creator really had a good idea of what they wanted, yeah. but hadn't just hadn't quite hit it with the uh, with the there. game mechanics. And so a lot of my playtests were like just sort of tasting what the game would be like, and then sort of backing off and saying, "Okay, but why is that piece there? Does that play into your into the thing that you want to do? Or if this is what you want to do, uh, f- then push this way." Or like um, Noel was a little bit. Uh, wary of making some hard choices about the setting. Yeah. And I think all of our advice was like, just if that's what you want, just make that the setting, like make the game that is the game that you want. Don't make, don't be afraid of that. Which like the setting as described is like phenomenal. And like the building it out is like really cool. And the things that like really worked within that really, really worked. And like, so this is a game I'm excited for. Um, Honestly, all three of these games are games that I'm excited for. Yeah, uh, which yeah, was yeah. a nice situation to be in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was interesting because the, I think exactly like what Kevin talks about with the secret heart, the, what the game is really about was like there, right? Like mm-hmm. it's about this, uh, this bureaucracy and this working through and like this experience. Uh, but how exactly to get there was interesting. Yeah. And like that, that is amusingly probably, in some ways, an easy thing to get to. Uh, It's a hard thing to know that you have to get to, but like Mm -hmm. once you just tell people, this is the story, then people will then go do that story. Uh, And I'm sure that there will be some mechanics that also build towards that. It sounds very much like Noel wanted to make sure that, uh, that there is some building of the world that it isn't all given to you. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is fine. Absolutely. I think so much enough. A lot of it was going to be building the bureaucracy itself, yeah, to be an antagonist because there wasn't quite enough of that. But that was definitely what, yeah. But the, the game's about the playbooks were super were super fun, very evocative. Uh, oh yeah, I was so thrilled with the character I got to make. I was so thrilled with all four characters sitting at the table. Yeah, uh, yeah. I got to play a podcaster. <laughs> you got to play a Sarah Koenig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's be real. And and I got to play Love, and it was just like, it was delightful. It was this just this interesting, fun challenge of playing these, like, creatures that are human and angelic and beings of nature and self. It was like, it was very neat with that all that. And and the thing that we didn't quite get into, but that I'm interested in, is this idea that you are not just a character, but that you are also a character who has a a department behind them. Mm-hmm. Like you have, you're fighting bureaucracy kind of in a large scale, but you also have a little bit of bureaucracy behind you. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Um, <sighs> do you want to go into the brief political conversation? The consent, the con- uh, consent question on the, on the love playbook that. So I, I think that it's, it's worth touching on. Yeah. Um, I had a slightly different take on it than I think that you did. Ooh, then I think it's maybe definitely worth talking about. So why don't you explain what happened? Yeah. Um, so this is this is in no way meant to be any kind of shade. Um, it's just something mm-hmm. that it was a discussion that came up. And so I think it's one that's worth kind of talking about a little bit. Um, so the Love Playbook had on it a note, uh, a really well-reasoned, well-spoken note that was saying like, hey... Uh, the love playbook can play with some themes that uh, that are delicate themes, 
and it's important to have everyone be safe at the table. And so because of that, unless the table is in unanimous agreement, anything you do with any of your powers can be blocked at any time. Uh, it basically was like a reminder on that playbook that people can X card what you do, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, is, I don't think it's bad to have reminders of safety tools, but where I was kind of going and like, I, I initially, when I was reading that note, I was like, oh, this is going to be a playbook that in some way attacks player consent, right? Like it does mm-hmm. something that controls other players. Because that is, you know, that whole golden box of what players, player agency, is an important thing in games and a thing that a lot of people take really seriously. And frankly, the fact that it's love and tied in with sexuality probably does make that even more complicated. No question. Mm -hmm. Uh, That said, looking at the different powers of the love playbook, it didn't actually do very much of that it had a lot of things to gain information and to keep secrets and things like that it had a it had one thing that it uh it had two things that took away character agency um but both of them were from npcs so one of them was kind of elevating the emotional uh connection between two npcs and one of them was uh severing the connection between two npcs so Mm. neither of those are necessarily things that push against what a player is doing uh, and it isn't saying like, like, you know, there's, there's some awkwardness certainly, and some really big problematic situations with a, uh, creature of infinite power saying, Hey, the two of you have now gone from really liking each other to really loving each other. Yeah. But on the other hand, there's also like, there is a creature that is death. There is a creature that is war. There is a creature that is chaos. And these are all also things that are having a direct effect on people and taking away people's ability to consent by doing violence to them. And so yeah. in my mind, I'm looking at this and going like, okay, this is not something that is actually a necessarily a problem. It's just something that having conversations at your table about like what playbooks people are comfortable with or not is something to be discussed. Mm-hmm. So, I pretty much agree with all of that. Yeah. Um, my only, the only thing that I took differently was that I sort of assumed that that was there, like that 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 was that that like that warning was on the playbook because of the perhaps more sexual nature of that character. Mm-hmm. But that that but that ultimately that kind of a warning would be in a game book and was not intended to be on that specific playbook or was not was not like going to be on that playbook indefinitely in terms of the design of the game but because we weren't sitting there with a game book that would have a longer conversation about consent that 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 was the playbook that might run into it the most and so it was there as a reminder Maybe, but I, I've I have seen that kind of warning on other playbooks, mm-hmm. uh, in like for various other games, like usually as for fan playbooks more often than than standard ones. But mm. it, I think the the, I think looking at the question of consent in games goes mm. way beyond just when things are romantically invested, right? Yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
if if you can say to the person playing love, hey, uh, I am not okay with you reading my thoughts, mm-hmm. then you also should be able to say to the person playing war, hey, I'm not okay with you stabbing me. Yeah. And like, I, is that true? I pl- Probably. Yeah. But like, I, I, I feel like having it really highlighted in that way encourages people to think of violence as something that's okay yeah and like sexuality that's something that's like inherently inherently like really yeah problematic it's an interesting thing to think about um yeah my characters i I was trying to think now the playbook the media playbook was mostly around so i had i had one move where it told told me that i got to know when people were lying yeah which we didn't get into but i wasn't sure how that was going to play out with player characters yeah that was actually potentially more powerful than the mind reading thing that i had because mine i could tell people's surface emotions and it's like vague and not exactly uh true um and then i had some some moves where i could change my appearance to be somebody else Mm -hmm. and appear in a scene as that other character yeah you had it seemed like you had a couple things that kind of allow you to like just Manipulate push yourself reality. into a scene right because you also yeah. had your ability to speak through technology and stuff like that yeah i had multiple abilities to speak in scenes where i wasn't right which in like that to me sounds like more of a consent issue yeah. than like gathering information and like maybe part of that is just that like that 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 playbook will eventually push on player agency more in some mm-hmm. way, like I could see a future where I, I don't I don't think Noel's especially interested in doing this, but like I could see a playbook that is the love playbook that is Cupid like that is having yeah. an effect on people's emotions like really directly. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know. It's, it's it's tough because like if. If there is someone who's like, hey, I can terrify people. Is that worse or is like is that objectively more okay than i can make someone feel like they're in love yeah i don't know that's i think that is an interesting thing to think about especially when when you are playing that kind of a game where you have sort of dominion over a a set of feelings or or experiences absolutely um and i think it's a thing it's a i think i think the that generally the takeaway that that we shouldn't think about violence as as acceptable and 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 sexual things as unacceptable is a is a good thought process to have absolutely and a yeah. good thing to question yeah because the the issue is not the sexuality it's the violence and it's like yeah. breaking consent is violence uh yeah yeah and so I, I thought it was interesting i thought it was and like i i i thought it was interesting to be able to like look at that and talk about that a little bit because we had a game that like that had little bits of flirtation and things like that in it but otherwise like i don't think i did it. i think it uh it would have been very surprising if anyone if any, any even any other person other than the people we had there would have x carded me cuz it didn't yeah. really no you didn't we i mean we like we you had it didn't really come up. We were, I mean, because again, we weren't. You weren't really meddling with people. You didn't have powers that really allowed forced, that. Allow, like allowed that, or or oh, yeah, or and and 
And that wasn't the way that, that the rest of the playbook really encouraged you to play your character. Yeah, it kind of seemed like it was like looking as though it was going to be a much, much more sinister playbook than it was. Yeah, if if anything, I think that I think you're supposed to be the sort of like human resources department for the afterlife. And it, it's an and adorable so playbook. It's like, it's really, yeah. it's a very fun playbook. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, but I, I just thought it would be interesting to talk a little bit about just like, the way that we think about player consent and like the things that fall clearly under player consent and the things that don't like, and I, I've, I don't know if I've ever heard a story of someone like X carding their character, getting like hurt, like taking harm. Like mm -hmm. if, if you X carded your character taking damage, can you play the game? And right, like if you like sat down to play D and D and you X carded getting attacked, then you can't play D and D because you've taken away like the major mechanic by which the game works. But because so many of our games are based on violence as primary mechanic, it makes a very weird situation that something that is really horrific, like violence, mm -hmm. doesn't get X carded. Well. So I I wish I had it more like readily on at, at my fingertips, but Taylor um, Labresh had did a whole Twitter thread a while back about X carding that exact thing. Oh, really? Um, and about how he played in a game where his character like fell off of a cliff. I want to say, mm -hmm. um, and and the GM was like, "Well, you you've died. Like you jumped mm -hmm. off of a cliff," and and he was like, "No, no." That's, yeah, I don't want to do that. That's not a. That's not interesting. Can yeah, we find something else to do? And, and and it's it's weird because like safety is really important. One hundred percent. Safety is the most important thing. And and it it we have these tools within the game, the mechanics in the game, because we think these mechanics will lead us to somewhere interesting. And so if the mechanics aren't leading us somewhere interesting, then no question, they're not doing their job, right? Yeah, like, I will say, in a I, do, D &D I, do want, I feel like I want to justify myself, or not justify myself, but I do want to explain that obviously, like, obviously Taylor saying that he didn't think that his character dying was an interesting is not the same as someone um, having, someone someone needing to X-card something because they are incredibly uncomfortable situation. Right. Is more on an issue of, I don't like where this story is going. Just sort of a, a larger player agency yeah. in the overall narrative of the story. Yeah, and and I think I think maybe that's where I'm going. Like like between the two thoughts is because I think that that is super legit. I think if the mechanics, if the play is not working, mm -hmm. then what you do is you figure out a way to make it work. And that sounds like that's what Taylor did, right? Like yeah. he yeah, said, yeah. "Hey, we are adventurers. We are heroes. We are exciting. Falling off a cliff and dying is not." that and so yeah i love that because it makes a better story and like i feel like that is something that should be set up and existent and wholly separate from the x card and other yeah. safety mechanics because there's kind of like three layers of stuff right there's there's player safety in terms of like people that have been traumatized people that have been marginalized people that have been really hurt uh having to like work through emotion and bleed and everything like that. Then there's like discomfort, which like, you know, 
if you play uh if you play a game that is about oppression mm-hmm. you might feel uncomfortable <clears throat> you probably yeah. should feel uncomfortable yeah and like if you x card away the things that make that game about oppression then you are disservicing you're not playing the game right like if you play steal away jordan which is a game about being like escaped slaves in america mm-hmm. and you x card when you're uncomfortable then you've lost the game like that is a game that is in part about that discomfort if you x card when you feel unsafe then like yeah yeah absolutely everyone needs to be safe but like there are games that are about being uncomfortable and so like should a safety mechanic handle that or should like really in-depth conversation about what it is you're trying to do ahead of time like if someone sat down to play steal away jordan and they're expecting D, that's not cool because you didn't prepare them for it adequately mm-hmm. but like if what's making someone uncomfortable is playing that game and having to face like realities of institutionalized racism like we should feel uncomfortable when when confronting realities of uh, institutionalized racism so like we think of safety tools as handling both of those things and they shouldn't those are two entirely separate situations that are handled the exact same way uh and additionally like building and crafting a good narrative as a group of people is another thing that should be present at a table Mm -hmm. And, like, I think if you don't have a table that is discussing things in a way that makes it appropriate to do so, then safety mechanics are kind of like a backdoor. But I wonder if we need, like, more of a space that says, Can hey, I, let's make this cool and good. Yeah. I want, what I kind of want to say, or like, what I think, this is, my, so, again, I am, I'm probably, I'm wildly underqualified to talk about this, but... Here is my thought on on that. Yeah, is that I think that we as a gaming community have started talking about safety issues mm-hmm. so that we can keep people in the gaming community to and and pl- to play games with our friends without harming them. Yeah, absolutely. And so we built up a language. I say we like I'm involved in this. Other people, <laughs> uh, very smart people, have helped build up a language about how to deal with safety and talk about safety. And part of that discussion is about altering and contr- and and guy and like n- controlling and controlling the narrative yeah. of the game in a meta context contextual way so that people can feel safe. Yeah. And when we continue that conversation which we had not been having really about where, how do we best tell stories? We then in terms of like, is it okay to say, I don't want my character to die because I don't don't want a good story. Yeah. We co-opted the language of safety mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. In a way that maybe we didn't need or that we needed to, because we didn't have any other language about that because we have only now, I think, I mean, I, again, I'm I'm terrible at the history of role playing games, but but I, it it feels like we are only now having this larger conversation about what is okay to change, yeah, and and how much of the meta narrative should we change either for safety or for 
for good storytelling. And, yeah. And really, those aren't that far apart. Like, if you're harming people, you're not doing good storytelling. No, that's true. Yeah. If if people are being harmed, like, it's not worth it. The story, yeah. no story is worth <laughs> the harm yeah. that comes from it, right? Uh, but yeah, I think you're right that that it isn't, that it isn't so much like, it isn't a We're flaw within the safety mechanics. Mm-hmm. It's a flaw of using the using the exact same language of safety mechanics in a way that trivializes their importance. Yeah. And makes it so that so that it's like a privileged position to be able to alter the mechanics in any other way. Like to to be able to say like sitting around a table uh to be able to say I don't like that. I think that's less fun. Let's try this other. Th- I think this other thing would be more fun. Uh, is kind of a privileged position in some ways. Mm-hmm. And instead of trying to work in a community, and instead of trying to work with rules that make it so that that isn't as much the case, we've kind of made it so that it sort of just defaults onto the safety mechanics, which I think doesn't do the safety mechanics any favors either, because it means that people think of like think of worst case scenarios right yeah but i think i think i think it's not a malicious thing i think no, it's just no. a a we that that the we that 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 the conversation the open conversation about safety mechanics in games has continued past its immediate intent yeah i think so too it's got um, very interesting and very deep in a way that i think neither of us expected yeah i didn't really um, expect it to go there um so but and like this also isn't to say like hey no safety mechanics this is not me being yeah, grumpy no, about safety not. mechanics um no i think if anything we're I'm, well, i think we're both saying we need to build a larger language about around this because cuz the default it's doesn't yeah cuz cuz the default like what we've kind of hit at as the defaults aren't doing all of the things that are needed to make a great game it's yeah, and we need a maybe, more robust language yeah, it's like it's like maybe doing enough to protect people some of the time, uh, which is not great. It's not being protective enough in some ways, and it also isn't facilitating the growth of language to make games better. Yeah, because like while because like even if you even if you X card to make something more interesting, like even that change even the way that is done doesn't move towards a more interesting thing in the right way because it just says, no, not that. Whereas like a more robust sort of thinking of it instead goes, let's stop for a second. Let's be a writer's room. Let's all collaborate Mm -hmm. instead of saying, no, we are not like, instead of one person saying, no, we're not doing that. It's instead a group of people saying, okay, what is the most interesting path forward? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. And like, obviously, safety mechanics should also be used collaboratively. Yeah. But just the situation is so much different. And so using the two things in the same way is like, is using a heck of a square in a s- circle. I don't Trying to hammer a nail with a banana. It's, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't think of any of the right phrases. What is it? Uh, square peg, round hole? That's the thing. Yeah. That's the phrase I was looking for. 
hammering a peg with a banana. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, I feel at least like I have reached well past my comfort zone speaking about this issue in any sort of <laughs> author like um authoritative way. I, I pretty much never feel like I'm talking about things in an authoritative way. Well, uh, yeah. But all of that to say, yeah. Uh, we have to keep on like, you know, working on that as a community and like Absolutely. looking at what makes us uncomfortable and deciding whether what makes us uncomfortable is what makes people unsafe. Yeah. 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 Man, if we had some kind of like a sting that we do in these episodes <laughs> yeah. to like move us on to the next section, that would be awesome. But we don't so, do that. So instead I'm going to say, Hey, how'd your play test go? They went pretty well. Cool. This was the least radical so so okay so here here are two things that are true these are the least <laughs> radical changes that i made to this game okay. between years of play te- or between between play tests yeah and also i didn't use so like i i also didn't do some of the stuff that i went in planning to do okay because i realized that either i was wrong to want to do them okay. or i didn't need to okay and so, so I, so between last year and this year, the game, my game, a space between a game of relationships in space. Um, what, what did, um, Graham, who is, uh, Eric Ensign on Twitter described the game as tell my space loving or my ice loving space husband that all the bad stuff about all the bad stuff he missed. <laughs> and I was like, yep, that's the game. Oh, that's great. Um, so I, um, so I had I had tweaked all of the prompts. So I guess before the between the first year and the second year, the game shifted from almost to being exclusively a card game, or pretty exclusively a card game. Okay. Um, all of my play tests went really well this year. Uh, Great. People showed up. The only time that I had somebody not show up, an extra person who had played the game last year showed up to play it again. <laughs> so I had I had full tests every time. That's um, that's great. I went in wanting to do a couple things. I wanted to try a mecha- test out a mechanic about determining how long uh it would take like how long the ice hauler stays on the planet between trips. Okay. Basically saying you get to spend your currency to determine how long you're staying in a kind of like one currency for every 6 months type way. And I wanted to ch- and I wanted to bring back what I thought was a more robust rule set for playing the four player version of the game. Okay, cool. I did not once play the four player version of the game. Okay. <laughs> um, I do not. So I I continue to feel like it's there. Yeah. And that I want to do it. Okay. But I but I feel increasingly like I need to make the two player version work in a more like finished kind of way before, before I expand yeah. laterally. Um, I also did not end up ever engaging the spend one to spend six months on the planet kind of mechanic. Okay. What because I no one wanted do, to do it or I never wanted to do it. Oh, you never wanted to do it. Okay. In the moment, in the moment of explaining the rules, I never felt like, like it was kind of a, I wasn't positive that I liked it. And when I got there in the moment of explaining to people, it felt wrong. And so I bailed every time. I, I totally get that. I did that on some Passion play tests uh, not long ago. What I did do is 
I decided that the I decided that so the so the uh, hall the the lighthouse sets the scene of where the reconnection scene happens. Okay. They like hard set that scene wherever they want. And I had said that the the ice hauler <coughs> does the same for the route choosing scene. Okay. And so I sort of just said you choose, you are the ice hauler, you choose where you're having this conversation about where you're going to go next, and you tell me how long it's been. You get okay. to decide how long you want to stay on the planet. Great. If you want to leave an hour after you get back because like, your significant other is pissing you off or you are doing it to spite them or something, yeah. then that's, on, then that's fine, your you decision. That. You make that decision. If you want to stick around for years... Then you make that decision. I guided people towards maybe more than a week, but less than six months. Okay. This was a so this was an interesting um, year for like using my descriptions of the rules to influence the way that people thought about things. Nice. Which was to say that when I sort of said to people, the the ice hauler, you get to set the scene tell me how long it's been or don't yeah then people just kind of never asked the question of how long am i staying it was just if it was if it mattered for the story they brought it up and they defined it and if it didn't they didn't um my biggest hurdle the whole time was this like there is this so so while they go on the route yeah the ice hauler is away and one of the questions i got last year a lot was can we communicate? Like, okay. Is there a telephone, basically? Because also, a big part of long-distance relationships is you spend time it's on the calling. phone with a person. Yeah. Um, or you text them a lot or whatever. And the thing that I found was, like, so I tried to preempt those questions by saying, no, you can't. Okay. Or, yes, you can, but in these specific ways. Yeah. And the thing that I found was that by bringing up the, qu- the answer to that question before people asked it, yeah. They like hyper focused on that answer in a right, way that they the never did the if I didn't bring it up because yeah. I put the seed in their mind. Yeah, yeah. It's the, the you walk into the the 10 by 10 room and there's a, a statue and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then four hours later, we're still talking about the statue. Yeah. And, and really, and ultimately, the thing that I explained to one of the groups is like, the answer is it's inconsequential. It doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. The, whether or not you have conversations with the with with each other while you're off in space doesn't matter because that's not the game we're playing. We're yeah. playing the game where you're having a conversation when you've come back. And so all of these prompts, all of these important things, those are the things that you're going to talk about while you get back. the game is happening. Yeah. So you can't have talked about them before now. Right, because it wouldn't make sense to, to then bring go, it up now. hey, let's so, re-talk about that thing. So the conversations, so if you want to have, if you want to say that you talk every day yeah. in real time, but it's all about inconsequential things, yeah, then fine, that, that, that works for me just fine. It doesn't matter. Right. Because for the game. it doesn't change the game where you get together and you finally talk about all of the serious stuff. Yeah. Because you're together. Yeah. So I think the way I'm going to pitch it, I, I, unfortunately, this didn't occur to me until the very end of the convention. But I think the way I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch it in the rules is that it's slow. So okay. maybe like it takes a week or a month to get a message back and forth mm, because so the distance is so far. So you don't want to um, talk about serious stuff. 
And also that it's going through the corporation and they read all your messages. Okay, good. So it cuts out the desire to talk about so you personal can do it. things. You can kind of like send, because I have cards that say you lose touch entirely. So I do kind of want to set the idea that you have some communications. Right. It needs to be that like, you say hi, you check in with each other, you say, how are you doing? But yeah. You're not really ta- having lengthy conversations about the important things in your life. Right, because so that way the- you can then keep doing things. Like, yeah. the story still makes sense. Here, I don't know if we talked about this in person, but here is the my, I think, my most brilliant gaming <laughs> game design moment ever of this okay. convention. Was, so, here, so the thing that I, so what I started doing was, as I was really realizing that I had tweaked the the cards a little bit and uh, and it hadn't broken the game because yeah. kind of my nerve wracking thing every time is I've tweaked the cards. I've tweaked some of the mechanics. Is it all going to fall apart? Is it going to stop right. doing the core game thing that I love? Yeah. And the answer was no, it didn't do that. Good. So I started to play with the the beginning and end of the game. Oh, yeah. You were talking about doing like some not quite care gen stuff but like in yeah. that direction so we had written some character c- c- questions yeah for this podcast a couple episodes ago my yes. first play test i did not use any of them okay um i was just doing the test to see if the game still worked yeah then it went for my high test i picked three of the three of the most compelling questions for each person mm-hmm. and um for yeah and, and then one question of like why are or I think it was just three for each and okay. and so what I, one of the things that I did was I killed one of my darlings okay which was the pitch for the for the game from in my mind the cannot like this is where like because we're only playing the middle part I don't really get into the beginning of the story right but the yeah. story in my mind was always that one of you is an, is a person so you're both single people and the idea of ice hauling is appealing because for a single person because you get to go off and have space adventure and yeah. because it's like you don't have that connection holding you yeah. so the ice hauler goes off and signs the contract makes to, a bunch of money to make a bunch of money and like goes out to a bar to celebrate yeah and that's when they make the connection with this other person yeah but the problem is in re- like repeatedly people kept saying like that's not really a great connection that's not the mm. kind of connection that you wait five years for someone yeah and, like i actually had someone um rob abrazado he pulled six cards because it was a mm-hmm. longer trip and he got two of the you've lost your house either from a disaster <laughs> or you can't pay for it the ice haulers parents died and you've lost all of your money cards woof and he just said here's what happens I don't show up anymore. Yeah. I don't care how much I love this person. This is too much. I don't yeah. know how to, like I don't know how to tell like even like ignoring th- th- that like I as the player don't know how to mold this into a story. I as the character wouldn't don't. know how to tell this person that I have only known for a few months who has go- been gone for years that all of these her- terrible things have happened. Yeah. So in the story I'm gone. I don't show up. Okay. And I was like, he and he was like, I don't know if that makes me a terrible person. And I was like, no, 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 no. I totally understand. Yeah. So the question kind of became, why do we stay together even yeah. though we're so far apart for so, or we're so far, far even yeah. though we're so far apart for so long? So here's what I did. I made that one of the questions you answered during character creation. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Why do That's you stay exactly together you even do. though you're apart for so long? Yeah. 
and was, it was so good because I got so many. So I got like I got like one of the groups decided, and so so the other one of the other questions that I ask is how for the for the ice for the for the the lighthouse. Yeah, I ask what is the most dangerous part of your job? Oh, interesting. Okay, which does two things. It says first of all, it says it makes them answer the question, "What is your job?" Yeah in a more interesting way. And it gets yeah. them thinking about how the ice holder's job is dangerous. What is the most dangerous part of my job? And yeah. some people took that as a, well, maybe my job is should be a little dangerous. Maybe mm-hmm. that's why we appreciate each other because we're both drawn to dangerous jobs. Interesting, or, okay. like Phil and Senda both played my game together and Phil's answer was, I'm a teacher. <laughs> like, it's not that dangerous except for all the standard dangerous earth things that are come yeah. with being a teacher. And so like, it's like, but I can, and so that's why I'm so scared for you all the time. Right. But, but one of the people who, when I, after I added the, so the, I think when I, when they played, I didn't have the, why are you staying together question for okay. the last group. One of the, the, one of the pairs was a deep sea fisherman. Okay. And an ice hauler. <laughs> and so the answer was like, we understand each other because I go off into the sea for, for months to go fishing. Yeah. And so I understand that you need someone to bring you back. That's really fantastic because that makes it a a very different situation. Yeah. So I think asking that question was very good. Um, and then I started thinking about the ending and how that works. Okay. Um, I was thinking maybe we were going to have a little more time. Um, I think we are getting towards the end of this episode. Okay. Um, so maybe we'll yeah, come probably. back to that because I think I need another another week to think about this game. But yeah. I, I'm coming through. I, somebody, somebody made a, a couple suggestions about like, because so basically I need an epilogue of some sort of like, okay. once you've finished, what happens what to happens? these characters the rest of their lives? And somebody pitched this idea of um, redrawing some number of cards you've already drawn as okay. like echo prompts to say here are these things that have you've that have exper- you've experienced in your life how do they like echo through the rest of your story interesting and i really love that and so i think yeah. i'm going to do something like that um and the character creation is going to be minimal um i feel like i'm i'm like really focusing on the beginning and end now in okay. a way that i haven't in the past because the middle part i feel is pretty solid yeah you've got you've got the middle part more where you want it to be so yeah. you can focus a little bit more on it's still a little too sad i still want to pull back <laughs> i want to change out some of the sadder cards for cards that just sort of like reinforce that time is passing in a okay. way that isn't sad like a lot yeah. of my like time is passing your parents grew old and died and yeah. just being extremely sad in a way that yeah. i didn't mean and Not so i want to pull those for. back a little bit um i also had a card that said that was the economy crashes. And so you lose all your money. And that was the first time I ran into a mechanic in my own game that just broke the game. And so I removed it. It just doesn't work. Why doesn't that work? Because the pacing of the game is set around how much currency you've earned. Oh, so you get halfway through the game. So you get halfway through or further than halfway through the game. And suddenly you draw the card that says, lose all of your progress, start over. Yeah, and, and then that, that becomes, like, not fun. It's, it's there not a good like... story, either. It's a boring story. Yeah, totally. I can so absolutely I see how that. that would be. Um, I think I'm going to have a starter. Like, 
I'm going to have a starter route where you don't choose what your first route is. You're okay. not the captain on that ship. You go on you go on somebody else like after you after you sign up, you take one trip on someone else's ship first. Cool. Um because <clears throat> the game really works if you have a little bit of currency to start off with and if you go on a short trip first, then that works much better. Then that works much better. Um I have a I have so I also have a in terms of pacing um, I have I have a I have one route that pays half of its its money up front. So okay. even if a terrible thing happens to you, you still get half of the money. Right. And I have a trip that's very short. It's only like a six month trip for mm-hmm. the ice hauler. And so the way that works, because each of the cards is pulled one per year, you pull two cards and choose which one you want to do for your the for your story for that trip. Oh, okay. That's as cool. a way of saying a little bit of choice because it's so short. Yeah, and so I think I'm gonna do a, and that that's a six month for the ice hauler, one year for the um, for the lighthouse, and so I think I'm gonna make another route that is a six month six month trip for both of them, that pays one up front and one on the back end. Okay, and that will be the starter trip, and that way, that, that way, way, no one's first trip is is extremely sad. Yeah, yeah, because you have because some you can space. opt out of the sadder cards. Yeah, because uh, the chances that you'll draw two really sad cards are pretty low. Yeah. And you'll That's start with true. a little bit of money. Sounds um, great. That, I feel like that makes a lot of sense. So I'm definitely coming around on the end of this game, I think. Or That's I'm like, great. Like, the, like Kevin and I were talking about how like I'm definitely like I'm weirdly close to the end, but I've got so much work to do. Yeah. Oh my god. Like yes. I now I see the framework of the game. Uh. Up until now I've just been playtesting the middle bit. Yeah. Uh getting to that point <clears throat> of Oh, good. My game is almost done. Now I can do all the hard part. Yeah. Is something I feel in a extremely, <laughs> extremely strong way. Yeah. So I want to come back in a, in a future episode and talk about my epilogue mechanic. Um, I also want to talk about an interesting thing that came out of a focus group for a game that Jeff is writing as we're cool. on. Um, Jeff brought an idea for a, for a game in the like purest uh i just have an idea where i want to make this comic book i love into a into a, a tabletop game nice how can i do that and he, and did two focus groups and the first focus group got him from uh i have this rough idea for a game that i want to make that i about this thing that i love to i think i know what some of the early mechanics are nice and like i think i know where some of the framework for the story is and then the second focus group we took it from here are some like loose mechanics through here's the framework for your game for real okay that's and that's something phenomenal. that came out that of that like... is a a new and interesting style of gming that what? i'm i know but but tr- like i and i and didn't from, realize like, from this just from like a a focus group from a focus group we invented a new style of gming <laughs> And I'm not even joking. That's very funny. It's I, I don't think I can't wait I to hear about this. I don't think we even realized it while we were there. Yeah, I certainly didn't until I walked out and was thinking about it later. And I went, "Huh, that's really unique and different and interesting." And I love it. I cannot wait to hear about it. So let's well, a little teaser for uh, for a future for maybe episode eighty three of Pro- of. Uh, Pretty and City. Yeah, this pod, <laughs> this podcast that we've done for three years. Yeah, Pretty and City. City roll. Yeah, stop and Pretty and City. You can tell um, where my brain is. We also recorded four episodes. Four episodes. Or you recorded four episodes of Pretty and yeah. City. This is a very productive uh, convention. It was. We got some stuff done. Um, so, 
And uh, I guess you've got things to tease. So I'll tease that I've got a an idea I'm working on, and it's not a game. Mm. And you can take that to the bank, because oh, that's yeah. a thing. I'll tell you Cash about it in a minute. I, I heard about it. Yeah, I can I tell you a little know. bit more about it after we're done recording. Okay. Um, Although I want to get going. So yeah, if you're interested in one of the things that we teased or uh, want to tease us with something that you're working on, um, <laughs> then find us on Twitter where we are together at Stop, Hack, and Roll and I am individually at And The Meltdowns. And I'm at B. Leon Gambetta. You can find our website with information about the games we've been doing and with all of our episodes at www.stophackandroll.com. You can email us if you want to send us things in the uh, least likely way for us to see them. Yeah. Uh, but longest and largest capacity, if that's what you're into, uh, at James or Brandon at stopackandroll.com. We need to open a P.O. box. There's an even less Slower likely way. way. Yeah. yeah. We'll see Get us eventually. the slowest contact. I do actually super want to do that. Um, another way you can contact, is this Discord time? It's uh, Radius at Radius and Reviews oh. on iTunes. If you like what we do uh, and would like to help other people find the show, uh, help them find the show by telling them. But additionally, you can go onto iTunes or whatever podcatcher you like to use and give us a rating or review. Those do help drive people towards us, which is a wonderful thing for your dear hosts. Uh, we make this podcast and our other podcasts that I sometimes only ever say the name of uh, instead of this in this instead of this podcast's name, uh, but. Where did I go with this? We make this podcast. <laughs> Just say on. names. I'm very tired. We did I mention that? Have I mentioned that we went to a convention this weekend and that I didn't sleep a whole lot? And here we are. Um, <laughs> thank you to our Patreon backers. Um, we got a new backer, um, Ollie oh, Jeffrey, as well oh. as I would love to thank some of our old favorites like David Reynard, August Magmi- Magpie Mirror Test, who we hung out with. Um, mm-hmm. Troy Pitchelman, Troy Carter, Richard Chris Landry, Chris Newton, and Refined Ursine. Okay, so like I know that literally everybody says this, but our supporters, we have come to a point that we know so many of our supporters and we care about and love our supporters so much. You make mm-hmm. such an incredible difference. You make it possible for us to do this for one thing, but also just like... Like I am increasingly like getting emotional when you list people's names because I'm like, oh my god, these are our friends, and uh, so that's a thing. Also, but, they're the best game designers and best playtesters. F- okay, for real though. Yeah, uh, I'm not, I'm being our real. community is is like absurd. Uh, the stuff being done on our Discord, which is the place that I'm supposed to be telling you about instead of just rambling, uh, is just amazing and off the hook. Uh, I learned uh, this weekend. That we have, so uh, Young Heroes of Halcyon City is something that comes out of our Discord, which you can find at discord.com slash, no, discord.stopbackandroll.com. Which you can find at discord.stopbackandroll.com or tinyurl slash, tinyurl.com slash shrdiscord. Uh, It's a Masks ongoing West Marches style game that when they hit their 200th game had a 12 hour session. Yeah. Followed by like a b- brief break and the 201st was like another 6 hour session. Like Yeah. Masks it, Masks lives on the Stop Pack and Roll Discord <laughs> and like game design is so incredible there as well. Please come Mag- check us out. I think Magpie said they that Brandon Conway now knows about Young Heroes of Halcyon City. So Oh yeah, yeah. I I can tell you that that is definitely true because I was talking about it at dinner with Brendan, like hundred uh, percent. 
and our community is just so wonderful. Come join us. So as you are coming back from your trip in from deep space, where you've you've spent the last couple years hauling ice, and all you want to do is sit down and reconnect with your husband and your pet sea bass fish, Sebastian. <laughs> Don't forget to stop, hack, and roll. Why Sebastian? Because the sea bass. Why sea bass? Because they were in Alaska. Oh.